1: an investigative nutritionist on a mission to connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture, and find food truth. And I could not be happier to introduce my guest who is truly going to connect those dots. He is a farmer, Mr. Jeff Jones. He is a fourth-generation cow-calf operator at Jones Angus Farms. He is also president of Friends of Responsible Agriculture. This is a group of concerned citizens who organized around the operation of CAFOs, confined animal feeding operation operations in his county which is Callaway County in Missouri. However, confined animal feeding operations affect people all over the country. We've recently heard about horrible spills, fecal manure spills in North Carolina. They happen in Iowa. Iowa's groundwater is contaminated. We can see on maps that there are CAFOs throughout the United States. So it's so important that you're with me, Mr. Jones. Welcome.
0: Thank you very much for having me. Well,
1: I had the pleasure of hearing you speak at a CAFO summit that the Missouri Rural Crisis Center put on in the spring of 2019. And I was so impressed with all that I learned that we can only really learn from a farmer. And I want to know why you, as a cow-calf operator, are concerned about hog confinements that will be moving in and expanding in your county.
0: Okay. I really appreciate y'all talking about this out in the open and getting this to where other people understand it. Being a fourth-generation traditional family farmer, I'm independent, so we still own our own livestock. As these large CAFOs, concentrated animal feeding operations, are coming in, most of them don't own their own pigs. They are owned by anonymous investors, and some of them are even owned by investors across the seas. So they don't have the same interests in taking care of our communities and our families and our land as the people that are living on the land, making the living off the land.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I was concerned about confined animal feeding operations expanding in Missouri, because I've been tracking what happens to water quality. And generally speaking, when a confined animal feeding operation comes in, we see spikes in groundwater contamination. We see fish kills. We know that communities are threatened by decreasing air quality and water quality. You're in a a unique situation, and you were really important in testifying against the expansion of CAFOs because there is going to be a CAFO that's going to expand right near you, right up into your fence line. Tell me about that.
0: Yes, that is correct. So this large CAFO is gonna be three tenths of a mile approximately from my house and so it's had a and having a dramatic effect and a change in a negative way in our life. And when I say our I mean, not just me, but my families, my community, and the entire state. When you move 10,000 sows in on 20 acres, they can raise close to a quarter million pigs on 20 acres in a year's time. And in my area, to kind of make that comparable to understand it, that's more than two and a half times the city of Fulton, as much waste as they can produce in a year's time. And we're talking about doing this on 20 acres. So they're going to have the concentration is going to bring great amounts of pollution to our area. So we're concerned about not just health, but the God given gifts of our natural resources that we need to protect and cherish and take care of. So our clean air and our clean water and our soil and People that live on it, they're all going to be negatively impacted on this potentially. Mm-hmm. And we did not realize how large this is because in our area we had not seen anything like this. But when we researched it, we saw real quick that it was coming in here strictly for money and it did not have the same concerns as the farmers before that KFO came in, which were traditional family farmers. Who are what we call stewards of the soil and stewards of the soil are people that make their living off the land, but they don 't just take care of the soil; they try to take care of the families and the communities and everything involved with that farm so in other words, if a neighbor' is not doing good, you help that neighbor if the community's not doing good or needs to do better the People will, traditional family farmers, contribute to the community to lift everybody together. A KFOS coming in there to make decisions strictly for the dollar. They don't care about the people living around it. They don't care about negatively impacting the natural resources we have. And so they don't have the same respect for each other and the land as what the previous farmers have had.
1: Mm-hmm. This is so important, I think, for consumers and healthcare providers to understand not only the nutritional quality of our food, our meat, but where the meat comes from. And I think that you are in a really wonderful position to help us understand some of the terminology that we hear that might be manipulative. I call it rhetoric or propaganda that we hear from corporate agriculture or agribusiness, I should say. So one of the terms that we hear is that We need these kinds of big operations if we want cheap protein that's going to feed the world. Is this really cheap protein, and are we really feeding the world?
0: Well, you know, we were feeding the world many years ago, and we had just as many pigs then as we do now, but they were spread out over many operations in many acres. And to give you an example, as we researched this large CAFO coming into us, 10,000 sows, well, if you look back 15 to 20 years ago, a 100 sow operation was a big operation. And that independent farmer owned the pigs, and he put that waste back on the farm for fertilizer, but most of those 100 sow operations were living on 700 to 1,000 acres that they put that waste back on. Now, as you spread that out, that would be putting that waste of 10,000 sows over 100,000 acres. Well, it's not going to be spread over 100,000 acres. Now that you've concentrated 10,000 sows on 20 acres, it won't be financially practical to move that waste over 100,000 acres. So when they look about what they call manure easements, they're trying to get farmers to sign up. Most of these are for 30 years. And it's passed on, even if that farmer dies, it's passed on with the land. Or if the land's sold, that manure easement sticks to the land. And so uh, that land is going to be just saturated with this pig manure over those 30 years. And they're not going to move that manure very far from the CAFO because it's not financially practical to do so. So they're going to keep repeatedly soaking the land that's closer to it just because of financial reasons. And you mentioned something, Melinda, that was very important was the disconnect to the consumers. Being a steward of the soil, we always welcome people to our farm and we want to be there with them to show how our product is produced and to prove to them and show them and help them be involved of how we're respectful to the natural resources as we do this, and we're respectful to the neighbors, and we try to lift everybody as we help produce this food. So we are farming for the benefit of everybody, not just a few. And to kind of summarize that a little bit, traditional family farmers that are still independent, they're not just farming for the dollar. They're farming to help others, not to control others.
1: Mm. One of the buzzwords we hear is that we need to move to this confined animal feeding operation because this is modern agriculture. And you and I have both heard the senators respond to these bills that will encourage more CAFOs to come into different states, and they say that this is modern farming. You know, what are we going to do? Go back to having cows running on the pasture. where you know, I actually buy my pork from an individual family farmer and they do have a pasture-based system. There's no stink. They're feeding many families. So tell me about this term. I think it's rhetoric, modern agriculture. What is that?
0: That's a very good point. And I believe that modern agriculture is what we're doing today here, still as traditional family farmers. We are very competitive with the CAFOs and the ability to raise this food in a very healthy way. So, when they talk about modern agriculture, they are discounting what the traditional family farmer is doing. He's doing his job to the best of his ability, he's passionate and it's not just he, it's she, it's the whole family. They take it serious, and they are very respectful in everything they do. These CAFOs that are coming in are just looking at the dollar, and they call this modern agriculture, and and a lot of the uh, farm organizations are actually teaching our kids in the schools that this industrial agriculture and factory farms, or they're calling it modern agriculture, is the only way to produce food. But I'm here to tell you that the traditional family farmers are the backbone of this United States of America. That's what these states were founded on, and they are the strength, and they are not out of business. We are still competitive, and we're raising food today in a respectful way. Now, these CAFOs are coming in and putting great pressure on the traditional family farmers. Now, we're 110 percent about agriculture, but as they come in here next to us for my example is it's hurting the resale of our land the value of our land the value of our homes and we're concerned about the health impacts of the way that they're raising these animals with large amounts of antibiotics as they concentrate these animals. They've got to use more antibiotics to keep the sickness at bay. They see viruses that are coming in that are hard to control because of the concentration. They're causing great pollution with the concentration of the waste and trying to keep it out of our waters, which is very difficult to do on that large scale. So modern agriculture, in my opinion, needs to include the traditional family farmer.
1: Mm-hmm. I encourage people as much as they can to find local farmers where they can buy an animal directly from that farmer or and, to, and then to bring it to the processor, have it processed and buy cuts. Because if we go to the supermarket, are we mostly finding that the meat there comes from these confined animal feeding operations you know from the big the Smithfield which is actually owned now by a chinese company but when i go to the grocery store how easy is it for me to find meat that's produced by a local and a traditional family farmer
0: that's a real good point it's out there uh, but you got to do the research you got to ask the right questions and it's the reason why it's difficult is we lost COOL is what it was called. It was a country of origin labeling just a few years back, and it was a law that we had to know where our products were raised and where our food was coming from, and when the government got away from COOL, it made it a little bit more difficult to figure out, you know, is this Brazilian meat? Is this coming from China or Argentina? Is it United States? Without COOL in place, it's made it very difficult are harder to find out where your product's coming from. So like you said, if you know the source it's coming from, that is very valuable. But when you buy it at the stores, you've got to ask the right questions and make sure you are getting accurate information that you are purchasing meat that was raised here locally or or in the United States, because there's a lot of meat that is brought in here from abroad that is competing with the not just the Missouri meat, but uh, the entire United States. And to me, that's unfair, and it should be unconstitutional. I think every person should have the right to know where their food comes from.
1: If you're just joining us, you're tuned into Food Sleuth Radio. We are speaking with Mr. Jeff Jones. He is a fourth-generation cow-calf operator at Jones Angus Farms. He's located in Callaway County, Missouri. But the issues that we are talking about affect all of us nationwide if we all eat meat. And if you've traveled through any of the states that have confined animal feeding operations, be they cattle, hog, poultry, you know the kinds of issues that we're dealing with, especially with regard to waste management. Mr. Jones, speaking of waste management, and I'm trying to use language that is out there but is not familiar, certainly, to anyone who's not involved with agriculture, and that's becoming fewer and fewer. But I read this term, export only, and I thought that export only referred to meat that was produced so that the meat was export only, but really what that term applies to is manure,
0: That is correct. So as these CAFOs are coming into Missouri, we're getting educated on a language that we're not used to. The export only, what that is, is it's custom applicators. Some people call them pumping companies that come in and they take the waste out of the lagoons and the storage pits and they apply that on the farmer's land. And what the export only does is it breaks the liability from the CAFO. So the liability is switched then to the pumping or the custom applicator and then to the farmer as it's put on their land.
1: What kind of applicator would not see the writing on the wall and would take on that kind of liability?
0: Well, it kind of comes down to money. There's a lot of people that have to answer to the dollar in such a way that they would go the extra mile to take on such a liability. But you were talking about liability, that also goes along with those 30-year manure easements where they sign a contract to where these CAFOs have the power to put manure on your land for the next 30 years. And what we have found that in our area, anybody that's got these manure easements signed up It has devalued the land so bad that people don't want to live next to that. They don't want to buy homes next to that. And my neighbors that are trying to sell their houses that have a 30-year easement next to them, they won't even have the opportunity to show their house because people are scared of the unknown. And they have good reason to be because we don't know how much or how many times that will be applied to that farm that has that manure easement in a year's time, let alone over 30 years.
1: That really puts rural communities in a bind. There are people who have century farms just like yours. I mean, you're a fourth-generation family farmer, and if suddenly the quality of your water and the air quality that your children and your family breathe declines, we know that asthma rates and other respiratory illnesses are exacerbated when people live in these environments when there's a hog confinement. What does that mean for you?
0: It's a great concern because if we don't have a clean environment to live in and clean water to drink and good, clean food sources that aren't saturated with antibiotic and disease, then our longevity and our quality of life is going to go downhill real fast. And I can give you an example of that. You mentioned the Century Farms. Our land goes, dates back to 1894. And my grandmother was born in the house that she actually died in and she lived 97 years and there was a deep well there that has been there the entire time and just this past year it was tested to be high in nitrates and there's a KFO that's within oh it's less than a mile uh, approximately from that house that's been in existence now for a little over ten years so there's no doubt in my mind that it has had a negative impact on the water there now we also have cisterns and springs and water sources that are close to the water surfaces that are being impacted and a lot of these CAFOs such as this one is built on the edge of a large creek so when the rains come it's like flushing the toilet it goes right down the stream and right down into our water sources and it's having a negative impact now That's on a scale here in Missouri, but if you take that times 100, like what it is up in Iowa, they're battling very polluted water that's costing a lot of money just to get to where they can drink it, and I'm not convinced that they'll ever return that water back as clean as what it was before it was polluted by these CAFOs.
1: And I don't think we mentioned this earlier, but just to help our listeners understand, Hogs in particular produce four times as much fecal material as humans. So we're talking about a lot of manure that needs to go somewhere. And as you mentioned, you know, it costs money to ship this stuff. So they're going to be spraying it locally. It's going to impact tourism. It's going to impact property values. I would hope that many related industries would be coming together and joining your organization. The Friends of Responsible Agriculture in trying to keep these confinement operations out of our state.
0: Melinda, you're exactly right. And I never dreamed that we would have to fight this battle. But this battle was brought to my back door, and we're going to take care of our homes, and we're going to take care of our farms. And the community of Friends of Responsible Agriculture is organized, and we were led by Socially Responsible Agricultural Production, which is SRAP, and also Missouri Real Crisis Center helped us to organize as a community to fight these battles. Now, on this CAFO that came in at my back door, they've actually started putting hogs in the 1st of January of this year, 2019, And we first got notice was back in 2014, and the gentleman that was uh, bringing it down here, his name's David Eichelberger, and he came down and stood in my driveway, and he explained to me that there's nothing that we could do to hold him out because we don't have health ordinances in Callaway County, and there's nothing that we could do to hold him out. And I explained to him, I said, you know... If a community organizes against a company that is bringing in negative impacts, I would think that company would want to go somewhere else. And I explained to him also that I did not know him from anybody, but here in Missouri, We are very respectful to each other, so I'm gonna give you a piece of advice. And I told David, I said, when you bring that large of a concentration of animals in near the people, and you make the people compete for the natural resources against the animals, you're bringing in a battle of issues that you can't even imagine. And our community held this large CAFO at bay for four years, but the way they finally overtook us was they got the operating permit by turning over the Clean Water Commission. What happened was the Clean Water Commission was holding the operating permit from being out of the CAFO's hands, but the representatives of the public were changed over by just agricultural representatives that had interests in CAFOs. And they finally, after four years, got the operating permit to this large CAFO to where they could start building.
1: So for people nationwide who are listening to this, what advice would you give to other rural citizens who are facing this advancement of corporate agriculture that will only exploit natural resources in rural communities?
0: Well, what you're doing today is a great gift to help others, and that's our purpose in life is to help each other. And nobody can understand the impact of these large CAFOs until it's at your back door. It's kind of comparable to cancer. Nobody realizes how bad cancer is until it happens to somebody close to you or yourself. So if people can use our eyes here in Callaway County, how we're having to fight this battle that we didn't ask for, but it came into us, and they see how it's negatively impacting not just the environment, but the entire community and suppressing the people back, then I'm hoping that there will be more organization of the people to be able to hold accountable these large CAFOs.
1: Exactly. I'm really concerned, too, about legislation and how our representatives, both at state and national levels, receive money to have them vote a certain way, and it's really hard to track the money. Is there anything you want to say about that? Like, where does the money come from that promotes or tries to deny citizens their rights to have things like health ordinances to keep these KFOS back?
0: So that's a real good point. I want to talk about that just a second. The health ordinances, the local control, the health ordinances are the number one way to be able to hold accountable the negative doings of a CAFO. And it's been proven in court that the health ordinance actually supersedes even the amendment one, which was right to farm. So the power of local control, which is the people's voice, is incredibly strong. But now it's under attack by legislation because on the state level, they see that the local control needs to be weakened to let these CAFOs come in. So what's happened is over the past few years, the lobbying has become extremely large by these CAFOs that have anonymously invested people and and companies that are only uh, looking for making money, and they lobby the DNR and the legislators to deregulate the laws that we had in place, just like the Clean Water Commission getting turned over and the Air Commissioners they had a job to do, and they're getting deregulated where they don't have the power and the teeth to hold accountable these large KFOs. So then it drops back to the local control. And as the people organize and vote in health ordinances, that is the strength of the voice of the people. So we want to make sure that the people understand how important local control is. The state does not necessarily have to tell the local Government, how to run their business. The eyes in the field and the boots in the field are the people that live it every day, which are the local people. And then give you a quick example. In 2014, there was a major spill from a CAFO just about a, a little over a mile from my house, and they're supposed to self-report this stuff, but they did not, and it was running thousands of gallons of waste down uh, across the neighbor's land and into the creeks and actually went through uh, one of the state forests and it actually hit the creek and went all the way down through the city of Fulton and CAFO and the pumping organization n- never did report that so the local neighbors reported it and they had sent the DNR out which took a while for them to get there and they shunt the pumping company down and told them to dam up the stream, which a lot of pollution's already gone through, and try to reapply, suck out of the creek what they could in land apply it. And then the DNR went back and left the land applicator to do the cleanup. So you can imagine what took place right then. But we have stream teams in effect that watched this and documented this, and that great pollution went all the way through the city of Fulton. So it had a negative impact on many, many people.
1: And all of the downstream communities all the way down to the Gulf are suffering from this in, yes. This animal waste. And I just want to emphasize that these farms are not feeding local communities. And all we have to do is look to Iowa, for example, where the local control is no longer. So local counties can no longer have health ordinances there. So we only have to look and see what's happened. And they've had such an influx of hog confinements that their water is truly contaminated with, as you said, this high nitrate level. If you were in charge of legislation, are there policies that you would like to see passed to make sure that we have more local regionalized food systems?
0: Yes, that is very, very important. I think the Power needs to be given back to the people. And the legislation and the legislators need to make sure that the people's voice is heard and is not silenced. And through local control, that's important. So the state legislators that are trying to take away local control, that needs to stop. And we need to be able to give an open mind and a free hand to the people that are doing things right to help feed the world and help feed Missouri and, and the United States, and everybody involved in a way that is healthy, not just for the people, but for the environment, the next generation coming up, and everybody involved. And the greatest issue that I see that's taking place right now is the concentration of large numbers in one spot like that. You know, if you look back even 10 years ago, those animals were spread out, and as they concentrate them in, bigger and bigger numbers, that is a very, very negative impact on anybody that's trying to live near that.
1: Okay. Well, I will provide links to SRAP, the Missouri Rural Crisis Center, which is a member of the National Family Farm Coalition, so people can learn more about this and keep these large confinements out of their own regions. In closing, I want to remind everyone that Food Sleuth Radio is produced by Dan Hemelgarn at KOPN Studios in beautiful downtown Columbia, Missouri. I want to thank our listeners for joining us, and I want to thank my guest, Mr. Jeff Jones, fourth-generation cow-calf operator at Jones Angus Farms. He is the president of Friends of Responsible Agriculture. Thank you so much for your time with me today.
0: Thank you very much for having me. Thank you.